Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that was a tough game. The Raptors falling short 116-103 to 103 to the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, featured a matinee version of James Harden that recaptured MVP form. He was just absolutely dominant, particularly in the second half, finishing with 28 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and only 2 turnovers. That was, I think, the story of the game was that James Harden was able to break the Raptors' defense at the point of attack, after switches, after whatever schematic they threw at him defensively, he was getting to his spots and he was hitting jumpers from the mid-range, from downtown, and getting downhill a little bit, causing rotation. And the Nets didn't have to worry about turnovers. They didn't have to worry about anything where the Raptors' length came into play It was just Harden exerting his will as one of the best players in the NBA and kind of getting the Raptors into really tough compromise positions. And the Raptors, without those turnovers, without the ability to run in transition, the half-court offense fell short, definitely. And and part of that was that the Raptors, they they didn't perform well from downtown in this one, even though Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, two, you know, they're high-quality three-point shooters. Of the highest quality... Maybe not from game to game. You know, who knows? Like OG Ananobi is around 40% over the past three years on pretty high volume, particularly in catch and shoot, which is what it was in this game. And Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who will sit between like 36 to 40% somewhere in there. Those guys, you know, they go one for 11. And OG hit one kind of late that, you know, it was pulling them a little bit closer, but, you know, they lost by 13 in this game. And Fred Van Vliet, 3 of 8, came around a little bit towards the end, but uh, he had a big phase of not being able to imprint on the game. I think for most of the third quarter and quite a bit of the fourth quarter, and that was after, I think, just a sterling first half where he got to play off the ball and really create in second side action, made some great passes, relocated off ball for shots, and just really helped the defense, or sorry, not the defense, the offense hum. And yeah, like Pascal Siakam came back and he was, I mean, I really, really enjoyed Pascal's defensive game. He was cheating in all the right places. He was switching across stuff. He was getting back. He was covering for other players, particularly Scotty Barnes, who still at this point is a guy who, uh, you know, he's everywhere defensively in a good way and in a bad way. Sometimes he's lost. Sometimes he is 
ever present. You know, like there's a Chicago action which features three players on offense and three players on defense, and the Raptors switch across all positions, and Scotty Barnes is now dropping back to help and stuff like that. It's it's really cool to see, and that's good. And then there'll be another time where you know there's pick and roll, and suddenly the guy is slipping behind him, and he's just not even guarding the roller or the ball handler or the space between them. It's just nothingness. And uh, yeah, so the, a few things didn't go well for the Raptors in this one, but sometimes MVP players like Harden or MVP level players like Harden, you know, they just take over. It, it seemed oddly reminiscent of the the game against the Mavericks where Luka Doncic was having a little bit of trouble kind of exerting his will on the game in the first half and then really simplified things, tried to beat his guy at the point of attack and then really tested the metal of the help side defense. What are you going to do if you come over? Are you actually going to contest the shot or are you stunting? What are you trying to make me do? Would you rather me pass it out? I think you would. What if I just put the screws to you and really get to the rim, apply that pressure there? And that's where Harden and Doncic, just from a standstill, can limit turnovers, can limit movement where the Raptors want to be defensively, and they can make things happen. That's what I saw in this game as far as like what happened and you know, obviously, Scotty Barnes having, you know, four fouls and the Raptors obviously trying to save him, I would say, for the final stretch because they put him, you know, first possession, pick and roll. What happens? Scotty Barnes steps up and he's the guy guarding Harden and Pascal was on Blake. So we're like, OK, I guess right now the nominal center is Pascal and the nominal point guard defender, the on-ball guy, is Scotty. And the Raptors obviously liked his length there, so they wanted him to be able to use it aggressively, try and last a little bit longer with him off the floor so that he can come in for you know a final stretch with two fouls. You know, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. Uh, talking on Twitter with Anthony Doyle and Daniel Hackett, both fervently suggesting that like you have to get to the point where it's, you know, where these games are close. Why why save fouls that you don't end up using? Like that's a school of thought for sure. And there can be criticisms of lineups in every game. And and if you had a problem with, you know, the lineups that were marched out there in the fourth quarter, you know, all the power to you. It's uh it's an easy, easy thing to to quibble about for sure, because some lineups work, some don't. And we're still in the early part of the season where that's being figured out. But also, you don't want to just put lineups out there that aren't going to win minutes. It's a it's a tough sell if you're the coach, especially to explain after the game if anybody feels like uh, they want to ask about it. But yeah, the Raptors, they come up short in this one. And the first half, I think, was, you know, the platonic ideal of what these Raptors are. They were getting out transition. It was very egalitarian. And a lot of different guys were getting involved. The shot quality, I thought, was pretty, pretty high. I was pretty happy with what they're creating. Even in the half court, it was all right. And, that you know, credit to Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam for helping them move the chains on that end. But, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to really write, like in the first half. And the second half, a lot of things to dislike, obviously. And a lot of that was the pace. But, you know, you have to be able to play a bunch of different ways in the NBA, unless you are the supremely talented team that always dictates pace as the Nets and Harden did in this one. And when Harden wasn't really, really, really on in this game, Katie was there for a very tidy 31 on 60, 50, 100 splits. That's pretty gnarly. Although KD, he had seven turnovers and he was helping the Raptors kind of run out on the other end. So uh, worth noting, of course. 
I haven't said yet that this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast, by the way. And I am Samson Folk. So here's me talking about the game, obviously. Just swung right into it, uh, you know. It's also uh, it's also worth noting that uh, Scotty Barnes, this was probably the toughest offensive game for him as far as the, the returns and the process. We've seen, and Blake Murphy, you know, it did a fantastic breakdown video on how he's leveraging his reputation as a passer into driving lanes and into space in the open floor and stuff like that. And obviously transition. I mean, Scotty Barnes running out in transition, offensive boards, all that stuff. Like he's pumping up his points per game and his, you know, his shooting percentages easily with just easy opportunities where he has some nice reads and great awareness on the floor, great feel that he can work himself into advantageous positions in those types of situations more often. Yes. But the Nets did not respect him as a trigger man, didn't respect him as a screener in this game, and they were not worried anytime the ball was in his vicinity. It was like, shoot it or whatever. Like, you know, you can screen for a guy, but we're we're pretty comfortable with whoever it is climbing over the screen and we'll we'll play down here. And you know, Scotty, you can pop or you can roll into the defense. You're not gonna roll into space. And so that put him in a position where yeah, it was tough for him offensively in this one. And that did affect, I'm sure, you know, the offense. Like eight points, you know, four assists, which is nice, you know. There, there's some ball movement stuff there. And that does speak to him clearing a little bit more space because the Nets weren't up on him when he was, you know, running like dribble handoffs and stuff. So he gets little handoffs that create shots and there's a little bit more space for the guy receiving it on that end. But, you know, it's a give and take, right? Like a defense is always trying to... Uh, guide you towards the shot that they want because they know they can't steal it every single possession. Maybe if he had five Gary Trent Juniors or something. And also, like, Scotty had five steals in this game. So it's it's that ranginess on defense, two down the stretch in uh, the fourth quarter, obviously. And his ability to, you know, despite being way out of position, as I said, on so many, <laughs> so many plays so far this year, he'll just be... Boom, in the vicinity, long arms, getting a steal, pushing the other way. And particularly, as I said, in like those three-man actions where the Raptors can just switch across a bunch of stuff, that means you can throw some really aggressive ball pressure at these players on offense. If you just switch right away, you can send a guy who's tracking a screener. You can just throw him right at the ball and have the guy, the other guy drop back and like then you have a guy running straight at the ball that the ball handler wasn't expecting. And then maybe he tries to go like tries to get downhill. And then you have another guy slide over and it's just this panicked rush of decisions that the offensive player now has to make. And that's where Pascal was particularly good at covering up for that aggressiveness. I thought his, you know, his uh, spacing, his positioning defensively was really, really great in this one. And it allowed guys like Scotty to cheat a little bit and to get to a place where they can get five steals and run out on offense and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's really tough to break down a game like this because it is hard in ball to some degree, right? And the Raptors, they did, I thought, a really great job on Kevin Durant. But, you know, a guy who he doesn't even have to dip when he takes a jump shot. Like Scotty Barnes is guarding him 19 feet away from the bucket and KD has his elbows, his own elbows at like eyebrow level and is doing, you know, okay, he's surveying, he's surveying. And that can transition into a jumper from like, you know, a six foot 11, seven foot guy like KD. And if he's hitting those, I think which he hit four, I think mid-range jumpers right in that spot, 
it can just, you know, you can play good defense. You can keep the other team in a spot on the floor where they're less dangerous, but KD makes it just as dangerous. Uh, you know, at a historical precedent, right? <laughs> like KD is that dude. He's one of the best offensive players of all time. And while his game looks a little bit different than it did at his prime, he's still effective enough because of his shooting touch. And he's got terrific feel as an offensive player. He's he's really brilliant. So he's still in his prime, you know? He's still, he's still going to give you 31 even when you play him well. And that happened in this one. So, like, James Harden... KD, they give you 28 and 31, and they're also doing an awesome job at finding like Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin and uh, Joe Harris. And it's just like, man, this is a team that knew how to attack the Raptors. Patty Mills with 13 as well. And they also know the Raptors helping off the, the corner because the Raptors, they want to force guys to put the ball on the floor. They want to get turnovers. They want to run. We've seen it many times that they're trying to force guys to put the ball on the floor. And that does involve helping off the corner because they pinch and they love to pinch in. That's what they want to do. They want Fred coming in, slapping at the ball, and then they want to push the other way. In this game, it, it worked for a little bit against Kevin Durant on his drives, obviously, but James Harden is a little bit more clinical in this one. And you get guys like Bruce Bound rolling, rolling into space for like wide open push shots. You get Joe Harris, wide open threes, Patty Mills, wide open threes, stuff like that. And it's like even something as small as OG Ananobi falling asleep as the guy guarding the next pass over and James Harden realizing that and just a super smart bounce pass to KD for an open three. These guys, if you fall asleep at all, if you're not on one, you know, even as an off ball guy, you're going to pay for it. And that's that's what happened in this game. The shot making in this game was at a really high level, honestly. And that's a credit to KD. It's a credit to Harden. The Nets prior to this season were the heavy, heavy championship favorites. And a lot of people would say that Kyrie Irving is significantly uh, like the third of the big three because James Harden and Kevin Durant are both MVP level players. Although Kyrie was just unbelievable last year. Like, oh my God, what a year from Kyrie, right? But yeah. The Nets are still good. The The NBA has been a hodgepodge as far as the standings go so far this year. And it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in the middle right now. The Raptors are above 500, and I think this puts them out of a playoff spot. Like, it's, it's very tightly contested. Teams will break away. The talent will win out in some regards. And the Raptors are going to have to keep trying to get back into it. And, and you know, it's, it's going to be difficult because... They have young players and they they're trying to they're trying to reassert themselves as one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And they have quite a few established players like OG, like Fred, like Pascal and Pascal coming back is huge for them. But there are teams that definitely got better in the East this year. They made good signings. They have the the inertia of last season moving them forward, the same type of inertia that the Raptors had for so many years. And so it's uh, yeah. It doesn't bother me too much to lose this game. The Cavaliers game is probably a much worse example of the, the Raptors actually letting one slip away. The Raptors just got beat in this game. They, they just got beat. The Cavs game, they couldn't create anything. They couldn't stop Darius Garland, and they missed a tip-in at the buzzer. And like in this game, the, Ra the Raptors, James Harden unleashing his will and slowing the pace way down and taking over a game as the MVP-level guy is a lot easier to swallow than it is Darius Garland kind of boogieing on you in the pick and roll for a full quarter. 
that that type of thing, right? So 116-103. Offensive process that was like nice to see, obviously. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I talked about, you know, really playing a fantastic brand of basketball in that first half. Just wow. Really happy with this performance. I think he had 16 points in that first half, finished with 21. But OG with, you know, if he if he were if he had a better performance on the catch and shoot from three, that would matter a little bit. The offensive foul on uh, KD, not great. Like, that's clearly a guy out of control. He fell over on a drive once, too. It's just about control, man. Once you get control of your body, you're going to start getting more foul calls. Most of the NBA's best players at drawing fouls are in just utter control. And they let the defense get crazy around them, and they lean into stuff, and they they help bring them into their vicinity so that they can create contact and stuff like that. OG right now is like a runaway train when he heads downhill and he can he can crash by himself or with others. And so the I think the refs are kind of they don't want to call it because it's tough to say like is OG just off balance and kind of like smashing into people or are they pushing him on the back and sending him off balance like what's really happening here? But the three buckets in a row, I believe three possessions in a row where he backed down hard and got to a fader. Then he backed down KD, got to a fader, and then backed down Harden and got to a fader. That's really cool to see because that that is a completely unique experience for OG Ananobi in his career. Has not had a stretch or a sequence like that, not even once. So that's cool to see. And then Pascal, you know, if he shoots better than one for three from three, hell yeah, like two for three or three for three is better than that. But the jumper looked good as far as that goes. He missed like a little step into it pull up after he you know put the ball on the ground after a closeout like you know 17 feet or something like that you want to see those drop in obviously Gary Trent Jr. hits those all the time and it's what made his night palatable even though he was 0 for 5 from downtown but Pascal mostly like he had one play well there's two plays actually that really demonstrate his value uh, to this team is just Paul Millsap was guarding him 45 extended it's an isolation Pascal quite simply faster, longer, beats him off the dribble, gets right to the bucket. The rotation didn't come fast enough. He got all the way there. Then another time down, puts the same pressure on the defense, only the rotation comes. He pops it out. It goes to the corner. They pass it above the break, put the ball on the ground for a closeout, and Pascal repositions himself, relocates in the dunker spot, ends up with a dunk. That type of movement you know, that you cause from the defense is exactly what the Raptors could have used down the stretch against Cleveland, for example. And that's something that Pascal will bring that, quite frankly, is completely unique to him on the roster, to just put pressure on the rim like that. And so while he missed a couple bunnies in this game and while he went 5 for 12 and he's not all the way back, obviously, and the playmaking verve wasn't super there, it's it'll be there. He, he's going to be the best player on the team this year, and as he should be, right? You know, he's a max player. That's what you expect of him. But uh, in this game, 25-minute cap, it was a tough decision when to play him down the stretch. Like, what are you really trying to do? How can you get away with Scotty with the fouls? How can you get away with Pascal and his minutes cap? And you want to obviously, you know, maintain his health. Uh, listen to what the, the people are saying who tell you, hey, there's a minutes cap, all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's a tough one. Another guy who deserves, uh, you know, a little bit of love is Precious Sichua, who I thought, awesome first half. Now, I've received a little bit of pushback on this because I tweeted out that uh, 
you know, I thought that Precious had like a very strong first half. And well, I tweeted in the first half that he was having a very strong game. And somebody whose opinion I respect was like, are we watching the same Precious game? And I was like, yeah, man, I've liked some of his hard rotations. He's helping out on the glass. He flashed middle for a mid-range jumper. And while, of course, he doesn't move very well, like he, he has a tough feel for the open spots on the floor offensively. And sometimes that can allow the defense to load up on certain players because he doesn't know how to move into space. I thought it was better in this game, although, and that's what I mean. It's like, it, it was a good game for Precious because Precious has had a lot of bad games. And so, yeah, like a, a couple hard rotations defensively that resulted in, you know, a stop gap for the defense on that play, moved the ball to a place where it wasn't as potent and stuff like that. And yeah, totally helped out on the glass. I thought like the the seven defensive rebounds that he grabbed, like mostly contested, mostly, you know, hard fought and helped the Raptors get into a spot where, you know, things were working well. But that that was just precious for me. Of course, anybody can disagree. But, you know, these things are these things. Also, Delano Banton, super fun play with Pascal Siakam. Pascal jumped a passing lane. The ball went to Banton. Banton pushes on the break, as he loves to do, and then goes back to Pascal for a slam. That's like basketball nirvana, right? That is the dream of whoever put together the idea of these all similarly sized wing slash forwards, right? Is you know, you they're all just gonna jump passing lanes, recover for each other, rotate, X out, peel, all that kind of stuff, and just cause like an absolute ruckus defensively, and then they're just gonna sprint out the other way, and you're gonna dominate so much in transition because the Raptors are what, like first in offensive rebound frequency, first in turnover frequency, and like first in transition frequency. They're just a hellish team. And uh, once again, James Harden kind of took that all and said, you get none of it, or at least two of the three, right? And so that that matters. That matters in this stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's always going to be worth saying. Reggie Evans Award, I'm going to give it to Scotty Barnes. Five steals is not easy to do in an NBA game. And uh, he's always everywhere, man. He's just running ragged all over the place. Sometimes like a chicken with his head cut off, and sometimes like a chicken with a head who is capable of uh, a higher plane of thought than any other chicken, you know, that kind of stuff. The top quick reaction comment, stay rebel, quote, C- minus for Barnes. What a joke, RR. Eight points, four of seven field goals, seven rebounds, four assists, five steals. That's a great game for a rookie man, end quote. Yeah, C-minus may be a little harsh, although there were... You know, those are like raw numbers. The amount of seconds that Scotty took up on the shot clock offensively that resulted in nothing is like, does not show up on the box score. It just shows up on the Raptors offensive performance. And so I would think his his score should be lower, lower than what his box score would indicate. Although C minus maybe is a little harsh. I don't know who was doing the grades tonight, but you know, grades or whatever, they're just, grades are cannon fodder, you know, like, everybody can be mad about the grades, like, how are you supposed to give an accurate grade that everybody likes about, like, 11 different guys, you know how hard it is to take, like, an honest account of 11 players' full games when you have to try and think, like, okay, this guy is moving this way off ball on offense, are you watching everybody on defense, like, this kind of stuff, so, yeah, it's cannon fodder and stay rebel. You are like you're proving the point. These things are just so 
you know, people can either be like, hell yeah, I like that grade. Or they can be like, hell yeah. Or hell no, I hate that grade. It's cannon fodder, which is why it's fun. And, uh, you know, stay rebel. I'm glad you're having the fun with it, man. That's exactly what it's there for. It's, you know, you bounce off of it. It's something to react to. So, uh, yeah, stay rebel. Thanks for writing in. I uh, I appreciate it, as does the, the rest of RR. But for anybody listening, I appreciate you listening. But whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.